celebrate the birth of our Savior. you all here this morning in Romans chapter 8. Paul says this to us. He says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So in light of the immeasurable, unmerited, unearned favor of God in salvation, in light of his work in Christ in us, in light of the Holy Spirit sealing us for the day of redemption and and adoption as sons, in light of all that, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? That pertaining to salvation. This is just a sweet promise and reminder that if God wouldn't even spare his own son to demonstrate his love to us, why wouldn't he see that through to the end and keep his promises and faithfulness to us? If you've been reading through that Paul Tripp Advent devotion that we handed out earlier this month, you might remember a phrase he used that Jesus' past grace guarantees our present grace and our future grace. It is secure in God, in his faithfulness, and in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Amen? Amen. 
I can think of no better place to be here than with you all this morning, celebrating, singing together the reason why we have salvation, the birth of our Savior. So it is a good time to be here. We are so glad you're with us, and we are especially glad if you are visiting with us today, whether you're visiting with family or you just came to decide, you decided on a whim to come and check out Newcastle on Christmas, we're very glad that you're here. If you would take out your worship folder, you would have probably got one as you walked in the back doors there. In that worship folder, you'll find all sorts of information about our church. you also find a little checking card. And if you wouldn't mind taking a quick moment to fill it out for us, that'd be a big blessing. Let us know you're here. You can also do it on your phone if you want to download our church app and fill it out there. It's really easy. And then at the end of the service, you can just drop those little checking cards in at the white tables at either entrance. There's a little slot in the side. And that's just a really helpful way to let us know you're here, but also a way to let us know how to pray for you. So if you feel comfortable, we would encourage you to put any prayer requests or praises down in the card and let us know how we can be praying for you. We are a praying church, and we consider it a privilege and a joy to pray with you, for you, and to praise God and thank Him for what He's doing in your life. Um, Again, if you're visiting with us, we're really glad you're here. You may have walked past it already, but we have a welcome desk just outside these double doors. And at the end of the service, if you're interested in learning more about the church, I'd encourage you to stop by there. They'd love to answer questions you have, and I'd love to give you a gift just to say thanks for being here and to show how much we appreciate and love you. And the only announcement I need to make is just next Sunday, a week from today, is New Year's Day, and we're going to have another combined service, just like what we're doing today. So we won't have any 9.30 hour teaching time. We'll just have one combined service, and that's just a real sweet time, because we don't always see everybody from first service or second service, vice versa. We kind of like ships passing in the night sometimes, but it's really sweet to have an opportunity to get together all together at one time. Before we continue singing, would you please bow with me in a word of prayer? Jesus, we are in awe of the the miracle that took place, the incarnation, God taking on flesh. It is astounding. We can't even fully wrap our minds around it that you are 100% God and 100% man. And that is how you still currently reside in heaven in glorified state. You did this. You stooped in humility to our level. You came to us in our weakened, sinful, hateful state. You came to us to save us from our sin. The world has never seen a love like that displayed in any way. Nothing comes close. And so, Lord, I pray that we would give you the honor that you are worthy and due this morning knowing that you are exalted, that you are at the right hand of the Father, receiving the glory in heaven that you are due. And I pray that we would uh, experience the joy this morning of worshiping you together and celebrating our common salvation and our common Savior. We ask for your blessing over this time. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're able, would you please stand with us as we sing about the joy that has dawned. Dawned of 
So good to see church so full this morning and families together uh, wanting to celebrate this uh, special day. So I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas and pray that you all, that you all have a, a really blessed holiday. Would you uh, join me in prayer now, please? Father, we gather together as a church and also with, with many guests today as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Psalm 98 reads, The Lord has made known His salvation. He has revealed His righteousness in the sight of the nations. And so we can't help but be humbled as we reflect on the fact that the very Son of God left the glory of heaven behind, came to this earth to become the ultimate and eternal sacrifice for the sins of mankind. So Jesus, to say thank you feels so lacking but please know our true desire is to live our lives in constant worship of you and ascribe all honor and glory to your name. And so God, each of us have reasons for which to be thankful today. Perhaps we are enjoying a season of good physical health or our families are content and thriving. For others, their, their businesses or their workplaces might, might bring great satisfaction and provide a good living for their household. And for these things we do give you thanks, but truly we all experience deep needs and disappointments as well. And so we pray like we are taught in First Peter to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And we cast our anxieties on you because you care for us. So Father, please remember those in our congregation who are going through severe health challenges at this time. We pray for healing. We pray for peace. We ask that you would give doctors wisdom in treatment plans and hope for better days ahead. We also think of our families who are experiencing deep grief over recent loss of loved ones. And only you can bring the true comfort in times of sadness and in times of mourning. So Lord, whatever state we find ourselves in this Christmas morning, please make yourself known to us in very powerful and evident ways today. As is our practice each week, we pray for one of our partner churches in Central Illinois, and this week we've been praying for East White Oak Church in Carlock, 
Many of us have friends or family who attend this church, and so we just pray that your joy may be their strength. And specifically, they've requested our prayers as they continue their search for a junior high pastor. And we recognize how daunting these searches can be. And so would you give their search team and their leadership team perseverance and patience throughout this process? And we ask that you would bring them the right man for this position in your time. We just entrust this matter to you with them. We've also been praying for our global outreach partner, Scott Cruzy, this week. And Scott's ministry with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is so important in Central Illinois. There's so much to celebrate and praise you for. Lord, as three new huddles started up this first semester, and it's so exciting to hear that one of them had 87 students attend the first meeting. We give you praise for this. It's so evident how great the need is for these young kids to hear the truth taught to them from your word. So be with these huddle leaders as they seek to show these young athletes and students how to do sports God's way. And Father, please continue to bless Scott's ministry with FCA in powerful ways that are beyond our own understanding. And as Scott often says and prays, Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor. And so now we pray for Pastor Kevin as he brings the message from your word to us this morning. And we pray that the seeds of the gospel will fall on good soil and bear much fruit, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to let you stay seated for this next song. We're going to teach you a new one, a new song on Christmas Day. Yes, because this has a message I think is really important for us to hear and listen to. And I think if you feel comfortable singing along, do so. But just really meditate on these words, too, because there's a temptation that comes along in all of our lives where we think we have to get ourselves to a place of worthiness before we can come to Jesus. Even as Christians, we can struggle with that. But Jesus' birth on this earth was an invitation and a clarion call that wherever we are at, we should come to him. When we're unfaithful, God is always faithful. We struggle with being faithful to him all the time, but Jesus still says, come. We wrestle with bitterness. We wrestle with sadness. We wrestle with guilt. And he says, come. And this song reminds us of that precious truth that Jesus came to us first and calls us to come. Oh, come, all you unfaithful, come, weak and unstable, come, know you are not alone.
Amen. That's such a beautiful, beautiful song that reminds us that Jesus' birth makes all the difference in the world, doesn't it? Jesus died for the guilty. Jesus came to earth to live and die for the broken. He came to be born to save those who are hurting and who are lonely and who are lost. Christ was born for me and Christ was born for you. Oh, all so that we could be welcomed by our holy creator into an eternal glory of peace with him forever. Well, it's such a privilege to be worshiping Jesus with you today on this Christmas morning. I wish you a wonderful Merry Christmas. Last night was such a joyful time together with our Christmas Eve service as well. Uh, we considered last night uh, the joy of Christ and the good news of the gospel from Luke chapter 2. And so today we're going to stay right in Luke chapter 2. We're going to read the same text again. Repetition is the teacher's friend. So we're going to read the same exact text, but we're going to be focused now today on verse 14. So I would encourage you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Verse 14, where we see how Jesus comes for glory and peace. So if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Christmas gift today that you could take home and actually use uh, this Bible to read God's love letter to you every day. Just raise your hand nice and tall. We'd love to give you a copy of God's Word as our gift. And of course, if you already have a Bible of your own, you can just use it in this service and then put it on the tables in the back at the close of the service as well. So Christmas is a holiday that's, that's filled with all kinds of unique emotions. But we've gathered this morning just to quiet our hearts and pierce through some of the busyness and the distraction and the glitter of all that goes with the Christmas holiday in our culture to simply bow our hearts in worship, in humble adoration of Jesus, who came to earth to save us from sin. Last night, uh, we, we were so blessed to think about joy and the good news of the gospel. So we're going to stand in honor of the reading of the word again. I'm going to read for us from the ESV translation, Luke chapter 2. We're going to be focusing on verse 14, but I'm going to start in verse 1 and read the entire text just to remind us of the context of what's happening at the birth of Jesus. So this is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was the governor of Syria. And all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, 
keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to these shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. But the angel said to them, fear not. For look at this. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was with this one angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's pray together for God's help in giving us faith as we meditate on this familiar Christmas account. Father God, let's, uh, we, we come to you very dependent, very expectant, very thankful, Father, for your spirit that is alive and active even now in the worship of your people. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Your word just is, is like a window into your heart. You have revealed yourself to us through your good news, through Jesus. And Father, on this Christmas morning, 2022, we desire to worship, we desire to adore, we desire to add glory to your beauty and to your majesty. We pray, Father, that you would use the preaching of your word to increase our faith, to increase our love for you, to transform us from one level of glory to the next level of glory by the power of your spirit at work within us. Father, we are dependent, we are hungry, we are eager. Our Bibles and our hearts are open, so please, Father, feed us on this Christmas morning for the sake of your glory, we ask. And all of God's people would say, amen. But like I said, today we're just going to focus in on one verse, Luke 2, 14. This single verse, this single sentence is like an explosion of praise and wonder at the birth of Jesus. Can you picture the scene in your mind? First in verse 9, this single angel appears to the shepherds. And announces the, the good news that Jesus has been born. The Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the long-promised Messiah has come. He's here. He's been born. And these social outcasts, these shepherds, they're, they're working the night shift. They're on the hills outside of Bethlehem. They're terrified. They're, they're all struck. All at the same time, a savior, the savior, the, the Messiah, the, the long-promised Christ, the Lord, he's been born in town? And their darkness is supernaturally flooded with the glory of God. And a sign is given to them inviting these shepherds to personally go 
and see the fulfillment of God's promise themselves. But then, verse 13, (laughs) this single heavenly messenger who alone is is able to bring great fear and terrified awe to, to these shepherds, he's joined by a multitude, an army of angels who are all praising God and saying the same expression of praise to God together in unison over and over and over, this angelic army starts to chant glory to God in the highest and on earth peace with whom, with those whom God is pleased. These are awe-inspiring words of praise from a heavenly army of God's messengers. The entire scene must have blown the shepherds' minds. What in the world is happening right now? So this morning, I'm just going to push the pause button. And we're going to take a few minutes to carefully consider what this angelic army is saying. I mean, after all, is this what you would expect the angels to say at the birth of Jesus? I mean, we have the privilege today of living in the church age where we have a full Old Testament scripture and a full canon of New Testament scriptures. And so in light of all that God has showed to us in his word, how would you expect all of the angels, all of the the God-honoring spirit beings to react to the fulfillment of God's promise to send the Messiah. If you look carefully at verse 14, you'll notice the angel's praise looks in two directions, up and down. Jesus' birth gives them a reason to look up and say, glory to God in the highest, but also to look down and say, on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. In other words, this angelic praise helps us to see that the birth of Jesus brings glory to God and peace to us. Christmas is a celebration of glory and peace. Glory to God and Christians' peace. So today we're simply going to answer two questions. First, how does the birth of Jesus actually bring glory to God? And second, how does the birth of Jesus actually bring us peace? And my prayer is that this reflection upon God's glory and our God-given peace would swell our hearts with greater praise and greater faith as we celebrate Christmas today together. So first, let's think for a moment about how does the birth of Jesus actually bring glory to God? How does Jesus' birth put God's beauty and worth on display? After all, the glory of God refers to God's beauty. It refers to God's worthiness, his worth. So when the angels are saying glory to God, they are saying God is worthy of praise. God is good. God is beautiful. God is to be treasured and valued above all else. Glory to God. You see, in the Bible, the word glory refers to 
two kinds of ideas. It, it first refers to the word uh, light or brilliance or radiance. And the word glory also refers to this idea of weightiness or significance. So the glory of God is his radiant significance, his brilliant worth, his beautiful goodness. The glory of God is the manifestation of God's presence. The glory of God is the sum totality of God's significance. It's everything summed up that makes God beautiful. The glory of God is the holiness of God going public, as Pastor John Piper is famous for saying. The holiness of God made visible. That's the glory of God. So God's glory refers to his beautiful holiness, his supreme worth being made visible to others. So now let's ask the question. Well, how does God, being born of a virgin as a baby in Bethlehem, how does that actually help us better understand God's worth or God's beauty? Well, first, Jesus' birth glorifies God through the humble position of God for us. And at first, this seems like a paradox. How, how does the humiliation of God actually lead to the exaltation of God? Remember, Jesus was born into a very humble position. He was born to a, a young virgin teenager who was publicly shamed for having a child out of wedlock. Jesus was born into poverty. He was placed in a dirty feeding trough for animals. He was forced to share his uh, first home with, with animals because his own extended family was too embarrassed of him to even allow him into the rest of the living area of the house. This is a very humble position for God to assume. Why didn't God choose to be born to a Chinese emperor's family? Why didn't God choose to be born into a Roman emperor's family of wealth and privilege? Well, Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11 help answer that question by saying that Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be held onto or grasped. But Jesus emptied himself. He, he took the form of a Say it. He took the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Translation, listen up. Jesus was 100% fully God. But when Jesus came to earth, to become the saving substitute for sinners like me, he added humanity to his very nature so that now through his birth, Jesus is now 100% God and 100% man, human. This is the greatest act of humility ever possible for Jesus when he became the God-man. But it shows us the love of God for us, that God himself would stoop so low to associate with you and me in the depth of our own shame, in the depth of our humiliation, 
Oh, rejoice, dear friends. Jesus comes to the low. Jesus comes to the broken. Jesus comes to the hurting. Jesus comes to the humiliated and the shamed. Jesus' birth into the humiliation and humility of humanness glorifies God because it shows us how far God was willing to go to save sinners like us. God's Son humbled Himself to the point of even dying for us on a cross. All so that, verses 9 to 11 continue to say, that God can highly exalt him. That God can bestow on Jesus the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So yes, Jesus was born to die. Jesus' birth put God himself in the middle of our own suffering and our own shame. And this shows us the beauty and the worth of our heavenly father who loved us sinners so much that he sent his own son to rescue us. But Jesus' birth also brings God's glory through the human presence of God with us. After all, If you lived in the Old Testament time, how were you going to ever experience or see the presence of God? How could you ever encounter the glory of God in his visible manifestation of himself? You'd have to go to the tabernacle. You'd have to go to the temple. The glory of God in the Old Testament was limited to the tabernacle or the temple. But now, in the birth of Jesus, Emmanuel, God is with us. He's now on the earth in human form. John chapter 1 delights in this reality, especially in verse 14, which says, And the Word, referring to Jesus, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and and truth. Oh, church, Jesus' birth shows us God's beauty and worth because God himself is now here among us. The birth of Jesus reveals God himself to the world in a manner that's never been so human, never been so personal before in history previous. No wonder the angelic army is shouting glory to God in the highest. Now also consider for a moment how Jesus' birth brings glory to God by calling attention to the sovereign power, the sovereign power of God over us. Certainly the power of of the uh, angelic announcement filled these shepherds with great fear in verse 9. They had no problem at all as shepherds on this dark night, believing in the sovereignty of God as they are surrounded by the glory of God on the hillside. But this week, I've been a bit amused considering the purposeful sovereignty of God at work in Jesus' birth. The purposeful sovereignty of God of God, the purposeful rule and dominion and power of God. Because God is fulfilling all these messianic prophecies that that, that surround the birth of Jesus. For example, approximately 700 years earlier, 
the, the prophet Micah in Micah 5.2 had promised that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judah. But Mary lived where? Mary lived in Nazareth of Galilee. So how's God going to get Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem at just the right time so that the baby's born in fulfillment of the prophecy in Bethlehem? Well, how about God decrees that the world ruler of the day, Caesar Augustus, decides to tax the entire world? That will work. (laughs) I mean, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful ruler in the world at the time, decides to tax the entire world, which before he can tax them, he has to do a census so that he knows who's able to be taxed. And that's what we read in the first four verses of Luke chapter two. Oh, church, Christmas brings glory to God because it reminds us that we are not ultimately in charge of our lives. Our God is exalted above all earthly powers, even the most supreme earthly powers that exist in the world. Our God is higher than them. And our God can work through the exalted powers of this world to bring all of his will and all of his promises to pass. God was able to work and put the entire world under taxation in order to get one pregnant teenager 90 miles to Bethlehem. I love how Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this. You have to understand, church, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature. Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. So no matter what is going on in your life right now, friends, never doubt the goodness of God in his sovereign, purposeful sovereignty to bring about his goodness and his glory in your life. God is working even through our painful suffering, even through our confusion and what we don't understand in order to bring himself glory. God is working to bring himself glory, to manifest and make call attention to his manifest beauty, his worthy beauty to show himself faithful over all. Yes, the birth of Jesus brings much glory to God. Because it shows us God's love through his humility. It shows us God's presence through his humanity. God's power through his sovereign control of history. And finally, God's promises through the hope of prophecy fulfilled. Jesus' birth brings God's glory through the fulfilled promise of God to us. Chris Middleman reminded us last night that, that the first promise of Jesus being born took place in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promised to send a Messiah, an anointed prophet, priest, and king who would someday crush Satan's head and reestablish righteousness for his people. For years, for years and centuries, God's people had been longing to see that promise fulfilled. And then Paul says this in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law, 
to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Oh, the angels explode in praise because God always keeps his promises at just the right time. In the fullness of God's timing in all of history, God shows us his beauty and worth by sending Jesus to be born so that every sinner who believes on Jesus might be reconciled to God and welcomed into his blessed family forever. Jesus' birth glorifies God. Because it calls attention to God's humble position, to to God's human presence, to God's sovereign power, and to God's fulfilled promises. So now let's consider how Jesus' birth offers grace and peace, or shalom, to all who belong to him, who believe on him. After all, this angelic army proclaims peace on earth among those with whom God is pleased. Now, we need to take just a moment here and explain what does this phrase mean at the end of verse 14? Because the King James translation, which, upon which many of our Christmas carols are based, uh, would, would say, on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Have you heard that phrase before? Peace and goodwill towards men. Well, why does the ESV not say it that way? The ESV says, among those with whom God is pleased. Well, that's because the original Greek scripture clearly says that the angels announce peace on earth to men of goodwill. And you have to ask, well, what does it mean to announce peace to people of goodwill? In other words, peace to those upon whom goodwill rests. Or, as our ESV translation, I think rightfully says, peace among those with whom God is pleased. In other words, the birth of Jesus only brings peace to a certain kind of person. The birth of Jesus only brings peace to those whom God favors. The birth of Jesus only gives peace to those whom God favors with saving faith. After all, Hebrews 11 verse 6 is clear that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God favors believers God favors those who believe on Jesus for their salvation. God gives believers the right to become sons of God. The birth of the Messiah is wonderfully good news for all who believe on Jesus. But the birth of Jesus is terrifying judgment to anyone who is standing in open rebellion against the king who has now been born. So ask yourself honestly this morning on this Christmas day, are you glad that Jesus is your king? That Jesus is your priest? That Jesus is your Lord? As weird as this may sound, every one of us actually longs to be ruled by something. Do you know that? We all long and want to be ruled. 
That's a consequence of God making us as worshipers. We were all created to worship God. But whether or not we choose to worship God or we choose to worship something else, we were all created worshipers. And because we were created worshipers, we all long to be ruled by something. Every human being will worship someone or something. We long to be ruled. We long to be satisfied by some superior power. We long to be satisfied by some superior pleasure. God created us to be ruled. So are you trying to find peace in your life today? by allowing yourself to be ruled by drugs or alcohol or gambling? Are you trying to find peace today by allowing yourself to be ruled by gaming or sexual lust or anger or work? Are you trying to find peace through the rule of people-pleasing, living for the foreheads of other people, or even through the proud mirage of self-rule. True peace, listen please friend, true peace, shalom, is far greater than the absence of conflict. True peace, biblical peace, is far greater than some feeling of calm serenity. True shalom, like that which comes by God's grace to the believers that he favors in the world, true shalom means righteousness. You can write this in your notes. God's peace equals righteousness, wholeness. God's peace refers to everything being restored to its right place, just as God intended it to be before there was ever sin in the world. So God's peace is only fully experienced in God's presence, but God favors his elect children with grace and peace now today. So the birth of Jesus offers God's favor and shalom to believers in four different ways. First, offering shalom for our relationship with God. And of course, this is the most significant. This is the most significant way that any person on earth can experience God's peace because peace with God is the necessary foundation for all the other kinds of peace that God intends for us to have in the world. And peace with God is clearly described in Romans chapter five, verse one, which says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, and namely, this is speaking in the context of faith in Jesus, since we have been justified, meaning since we have been declared righteous, simply by believing on Jesus, we have what? Say it. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was born to die in our place so that any sinner like me or like you who believes in Jesus' death and believes in Jesus' resurrection can obtain access by faith into God's saving grace. And then we can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Oh, church, Jesus was born so that Jesus could die in order for sinners to be reconciled to God so that through Jesus' substitution for us, our relationship with the holy God could be restored back into perfect rightness, back into perfect wholeness, back into shalom, to peace, just as God intended it to be before sin ever corrupted the intimacy of his creation with him. 
So Jesus came to earth to offer believers perfect shalom in our relationship with him. Do you have this peace with God? Are you now once an enemy of God? Have you become a friend? Have you become one with the holy creator God of the universe? This is the peace, the perfect shalom that Jesus' birth brings to believers. But also perfect peace for our relationship with others too. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, young and old, black and white, red and brown, all kinds of people can now truly experience shalom in their relationships with each other just as God intended for us to have with each other before sin because Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Ephesians 2 verse 14 makes this clear saying, for Jesus himself is our peace because he has made us both one. In the context here, the us here is referring to Jews and Gentiles. And he says, we got, Jesus has made us both one. He's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, so making peace to reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. So church, Christmas should actually remind us that sinners can now live together in shalom, in perfect right relationship with each other because Jesus was born to come and set us free from sin. Oh, I know, I know Christmas, the holidays are often not the easiest on our relationships with others, are they? At Christmas, some of you this afternoon probably are gonna go and sit with people that you feel like, well, I have to be here because they're my family, but I really wish I was with somebody else right now. I really wish I was hanging out with my friends. But instead, this is my family. Sometimes our Christmas gatherings, our holiday gatherings can be full of all kinds of brokenness, all kinds of conflict, all kinds of family drama. But don't forget, loved ones, the birth of Jesus is the birth of our Savior. The one who came to set us free from sins. The one who came to forgive our sins. And now that you have been forgiven by God's grace because of the birth and death of Jesus, now Jesus makes it possible for you to put away all bitterness and wrath and anger and slammer, uh, uh, clamor, excuse me, and slander and to put it all away along with all malice. Now that Jesus has brought salvation Believers who have God's spirit in us are now truly enabled to love one another, to be kind at the Christmas dinner, to be tender-hearted, to be forgiving of one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And this is why the angel said, and on earth, peace, Peace among those with whom God is pleased. Jesus' birth offers God's grace and peace for our relationships with God, our relationships with others, and then also our relationship with ourself. Peace in our own conscience. Just like Chris taught last night from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. 
Because every one of us, if we're honest, would say that we wrestle at times with condemning thoughts of guilt and shame and despair. Our mind or our consciences are often embroiled and disrupted with sins, devastating lies and conflict. But now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus has been born, all believers are favored with the peace of God Look at this from Philippians chapter 4. The peace of God which surpasses all human understanding. That means the peace of God is greater than your own thoughts that you're thinking in your head. And the peace of God is able to notice, guard your what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So all who believe in Jesus now get to experience an inner peace a shalom of being made right again on the inside of our minds. In other words, the birth of Jesus puts believers in their right minds again. Our thinking is put back to the very way we were supposed to think before sin corrupted our minds, all by the work of the power of the Prince of Peace, the God of Peace himself. Finally, Jesus' birth offers shalom or perfect wholeness for our relationship with the future. Because obviously, as we're talking through all of these expressions of peace, it's like, man, I, I, I know I'm at peace with God, but, but I still desire to become more intimate. Yet, I know that I have peace with others, but I struggle so much with unforgiveness or bitterness or anger or frustration. I know I have peace with my conscience before God, but there's still times I struggle with doubt. There's still time I'm still not, I'm still not there yet. And so, this final relationship with our future is so important because we all are still living today under the power of, we're living in a world that lies under the power of the evil one. We wrestle against Satan's temptations and fiery attacks in this present age. But hear the good news of Romans 16 verse 20 that says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. In other words, there's coming a future day, church, when all the wrongs will be made right. A perfect day of shalom. A perfect peace will be experienced by all of God's children when we are finally in the very presence of God forever. Justice and righteousness will again reign on the earth under the lordship of the Prince of Peace. And none of this peace would have ever been possible apart from God sending his own son to be the savior for sinners like me. To be the savior of sinners like you. And that's why Jesus' birth offers God's grace and peace for our relationship with God, our relationship with others, our relationship with ourselves, and even our relationship with future. These truths are what caused an army of angels to explode in a chorus, a celebration. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. Because the birth of Jesus brings glory to God and peace to us. Which then leads us to our closing point of application. The obvious desired response of all of this in all of our hearts today is that every single one of us here today, starting with me, every one of us here today 
would glorify God by believing in Jesus for the sake of our peace. Oh, church, call attention to the beauty and worth of God by submitting your life to the Lordship of Jesus. Believe that Jesus came to this earth to be born as a man so that he could die as your sinless substitute, as the only sinless person on the planet, in your place. So that when he died on the cross, he was paying the death penalty that your sins deserved. And three days later, when Jesus rose from the dead, he was showing himself victorious over death. He was proving that your sin penalty has been paid in full. No more condemnation for those who believe in Jesus. You know what? Now, now whoever believes in Jesus... Whoever believes that Jesus died for you and Jesus rose for you is forever set free from sin's slavery and you are forever adopted as one of God's own favored children. When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you show that God has favored you with his goodwill. You can now experience peace with God, peace with others, peace with your own conscience, and peace in the future forever as part of God's eternal kingdom. The birth of Jesus announces glory to God and peace to people. Will you believe on Jesus? Will you submit your life, submit in humble adoration of the Prince of Peace today? Let's pray. So, Father, on this Christmas morning, we pray that you would grant us faith, grant us repentance of sin, grant us joy and awe and wonder in this glorious peace that you've given to us, this beautiful shalom. Oh, God, we don't deserve it. It's all for your glory, all of our salvation, all of our life, all of our peace is, is a testimony to your beauty. It's a testimony to your significance. It's a testimony to your, your holiness made visible to us. Oh, God, there is no God like you. There is no God like you. And so what a joy it is to celebrate you and to worship you on this Christmas morning. Please, Father, save sinners and sanctify sinners for the sake of your glory. And all of God's people would say, Amen. Amen. Well, let us respond to the word. If you're able, please stand and let us glorify the Lord for the joy we have in Christ's word.
says uh, mortals join the heavenly chorus or however it said that in the song there that that just as we've been reflecting on how the angels responded now we as humble mortals get to join with the heavenly chorus I've been reading through revelation here this month it's uh, kind of the close of my bible reading plan for the year and and I'm, I'm reading all about all these heavenly worship praise gatherings, like all the gatherings of the saints worshiping the Lord. We're joining with the angelic beings and we're celebrating, saying glory to God, glory to God, glory to the Lamb, glory to the Lamb. We can come, even though we're unfaithful, we can come because Jesus himself is the offering. We can come. We can come and find peace with Jesus today. I pray that you know him. If you have questions about what it means to actually repent of sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you'd be saved, that you'd be rescued, that you'd be given shalom. If you have questions about that, we'd love to talk to you. Love to talk to you. Please talk to somebody before you leave today. And if, if, you, don't, if you don't have time, if you have to get to a family gathering or something right now, just find somebody and say, I'm going to call you tomorrow because we need to talk. Make a commitment today. Don't let the conviction pass. We want to walk with you. We want you to come to know the joy, the good news, the peace and the glory of being a Christ follower and being a favored one whom God shows goodwill. So let's pray our benediction for this Christmas. Our benediction, it comes from Romans 15, verse 13. Let's pray it out loud together as we go into our week of worship. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You are dismissed. Merry Christmas.